Good morning. Good to see you here today. And Craig, great to have you. We miss you, my friend. We miss your music ministry. Craig served in music ministry at Coast for many years, always blessing us with his musical abilities and also his, for his video editing and video abilities for Campus Crusade, bar none. He works at the behest of the president of Campus Crusade and of his communications team. That is no small task, friends, and we know the work that Campus Crusade has done around the world. So, Craig, we're, we're proud of you. We're with you. And one thing he did not mention, but I will mention, is that Craig is looking to bolster his financial support um, to the tune of uh, somewhere between two and $500 a month that he needs to raise while he's uh, here in the States. So if you would consider that, uh, prayerfully consider supporting Craig. Um, you might want to speak to him after the service. I know he'll have some materials and some extra info for you. At the very least, I put you on the newsletter and the prayer list as well. Hey, let's all stand and let's uh, go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank You uh, for this time together. We thank You, Lord, to know that the Gospel of Jesus Christ has resonated in our hearts. And to know, God, that through strategic people and ministries, You are taking that Gospel to the ends of the earth. God, Russia is in dire need of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thank You for Craig, for his ministry, for the ministry of Campus Crusade. May You flourish and multiply all of his efforts. And may he receive the support that he needs, Lord, to carry forward. We thank you, God, for um, our church. Thank you for this family, for the encouragement and the support that we have here. And we pray, Lord, that we would be a community that bolsters and, and edifies and lifts up our missionaries when they come home. Uh, so, Lord, uh, may we uh, truly reach out to Craig in love today and uh, in the time that he's still here. And now, Lord, as we turn to Your Word, we pray and seek transformation. We ask that we would see Your truth clearly and that we would respond to that truth by the power of Your Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Well, the title of today's message is the message I was meaning to preach last week. And now we're getting to it. The title is, in the series, is How to Church, Part 2, My Job Description on Sunday. How to Church. We're using the word church there as a verb. Because Jesus and Paul and Peter and John and all those of the New Testament always meant for the church to be a place of action, activity, for the work of the Lord. And in Part 1, we learned about how to unlearn some of the misconceptions we have about church. That we're not spectators, but we're participants. That we're not consumers. We don't just take in church, but that we are co-workers, gifted uniquely by the Holy Spirit to carry out our function in the body of Christ. And this part two today is my job description on Sunday. Be it a scheduled weekly gathering of the church, or an impromptu ministry opportunity, God is asking us to engage. Last week, we put off this message, though. Why did we put it off? 
Because at the time it seemed a bit ironic, given the mission to convince everyone to engage, it seemed a bit ironic for me to simply preach to you about engaging in the church. So instead, last week we did something different. We actually demonstrated what it means to engage on a Sunday morning. And in the spirit of the Apostle Paul and so much of the New Testament, we did precisely what the early church did when they met. We sang psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in accordance with Ephesians 5. We heard and evaluated instruction from a variety of prophets, preachers, and teachers in accordance with 1 Corinthians 14. Not just from one, but from the many. We shared praises and interceded in prayer for one another. Many of us participated last week. Yet all things were done decently and orderly for our edification. It was not chaotic. It was unique. It was a little bit different. For some, maybe a a tad uncomfortable, and yet we caught a glimpse, a small glimpse, of what the church looked like 2,000 years ago. Today, the church has become a lot, uh, well, in, in some cases, a lot more stiff, a lot more regimented, a lot more focused maybe on one person up at one pulpit, up on the stage while we sit and evaluate. But that's not what church is meant to be, friends. It's to be a joint effort. Whether it's a scheduled gathering or whether it's an impromptu gathering. It's to be a joint effort. Whether we're here from 10 to 11.30 or whether we come midweek or in various times, we don't spectate, we engage. We don't consume content. We corporately strengthen the love and bond between us. And even after the scheduled 90 minutes a hundred minutes today, 105, is over, even after this scheduled time is over, we remain and we fellowship in the courtyard. Why? Because we have no better place to be than to be with our family. Church is not over when the scheduled meeting ends. To the contrary, it's often the case that far more effective ministry takes place outside these walls than in them. So what better thing to do than to continue on being the church as we leave these walls? At the end of the day, what am I driving at here? At the end of the day, what we're saying is that to do church, to be the church, to be brothers and sisters in the church, to act as the church, is to engage in a reciprocal kind of relationship. There is a giving that takes place. There is a receiving that takes place. And so when we ask the question, what is my job description on Sunday? The Bible would answer that in terms of giving and receiving. There are some things God asks of you to give on Sunday. There are some things He asks of you to receive on Sunday. There are some things in which we do both. I'd like to start on your outline today with the issue of receiving. What is it that we come to receive on Sunday? On Sunday, I come to receive what? Number one on your outline. I come to receive a deeper, more intimate relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
I come to receive a deeper, more intimate relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 3, if you turn there, we're going to be flipping around the Scriptures today, so if you have your Bible, get ready for some sword drills. Um, In Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 16, Paul is declaring his prayer for the church. He's declaring his hope for the church. He's speaking his, his ideal environment that the church would be in. And this is what he prays for the church in verse 16 of chapter 3 in Ephesians. That God would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's Paul's prayer. That's his number one priority when we, the church, gathers. That you and I would come together for the purpose of developing a more a deeper, more intimate relationship with the Lord God. Ask Him for intimacy. God loves to bless His children when they ask Him. Matthew 7, Jesus says, hey, if, if, if a father knows how to give gifts to a child, how much more so your heavenly Father? a deeper, more intimate relationship, you and I, we come here to these scheduled gatherings to receive that. To receive that. What else do we come to receive? We come to receive, number two, knowledge, hope, and conviction from God and the teaching of His Word. Knowledge, hope, and conviction from God and the teaching of His Word. In James chapter 1, Beginning in verse 21, James says this, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Sunday is a reset day, friends. It's a time to refocus, to get back to our anchor, to get back to our charter, You know, when an organization uh, loses course, when a company is fledgling, or an organization is struggling, chances are it's not just an issue of, of money, of buying and selling. Chances are it's a matter of losing the focus on first principles. When a company loses track of its mission, when a nonprofit organization loses track of its goal, its mission statement, that organization will often fall. So also with the church. When the church loses sight of its charter, she will experience hardship. She will begin to go into decline. The Bible, however, is our compass. And it is an encouraging compass. It's good to come and receive encouragement and hope from the Scriptures. But you know, it's not just for encouragement and hope. In fact, so many Christians, that's what they're seeking these days. They come to the gathering and they say every Sunday, I want to to be encouraged today. I want to be lifted up today. And that's a part of it. 
And portions of Scripture will do that. Many portions will. But it's not just about receiving encouragement and a pat on the back. No, the Scriptures are also meant for the knowledge of God. When you come to a scheduled gathering of the church, and it's not the most uplifting message, it's not the most encouraging message, but instead, you receive knowledge about God, about His character, about the world, about sin, about the nature of man, about the future. When you receive knowledge, that's going to build up your faith. That's going to strengthen you in the inner man. So to not just come for hope, but to come for knowledge, and also, thirdly, to come for conviction. Hebrews 4.12 indicates that the Word of God is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Where we've gone wrong during the week, Sunday, Sunday is especially a day to receive God's conviction. To pray and receive, receive forgiveness. To receive the knowledge that He still loves us. That He'll be with us unto the end. These are things we come to receive. I've just mentioned two of them. We come to receive a deeper, more intimate relationship with God. And we come to receive knowledge, hope, and conviction from His Word. These are things that we might say very specifically that we are meant to consume. That we are meant to, to sit down in our soul and let it abide there. A growing relationship. Knowledge, hope, and conviction from His Word. These are things we receive. And it's part of your job description. How often in a job description are you told uh, to receive blessing? To receive benefit? Very rarely, right? Usually in a job description, you know, the boss gives you the job description, you look at it, it's you know, 1 through 10, do this, do that, do this, do that. Don't do that. Instead, part of your job description, as a part of the church, the body of Christ, part of your description is to sit there and receive the ministry of the Lord. To receive the teaching of His Word. But not just to sit there as a passive spectator. Quite the contrary. To sit there and take notes. To sit there and underline passages that are of meaning to you, of meaningful to you. To sit there and off to the side ask a question as the preacher preaches to say, I don't understand that. As the teacher teaches to say, well, wait a minute, can, can we go over this after the study? I need to ask you a question. To engage. Not just to sit there passively. These are things we are meant to receive as we gather together. But there are also things we are meant to give as we come Sunday. What are some things we're meant to give? On, some, on Sunday, I come to give, on your outline, worship, praise, and thanksgiving to God for who He is and what He has done. Worship, praise, and thanksgiving to God for who He is and what He has done. The author of Hebrews speaks of the kind of worship that God is seeking. And he writes in 3.15 of Hebrews, Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. 
such praise and thanksgiving can come in many different forms. It can come through quiet meditation. It can come through prayer. It can come through song. We can express worship, praise, and thanksgiving all throughout the week, no doubt. But it is especially appropriate as we gather together, as we begin to, to sing songs in the morning, as we engage in quiet moments of reflective prayer, that you be a person who focuses on worshiping, praising, and giving thanks to God. You know, one of the things that uh, I do personally uh, when we engage in worship in the morning is I'm often closing my eyes. And uh, it's, not because, uh, it's not because I'm tired. It's because I, I, I really want to just focus on the Lord. And it helps me to focus on the Lord when my eyes are closed. And when I'm concentrating on the words that I'm singing, when I'm concentrating on, uh, on the manner of worship that I know God would have me offer to Him. So what, what does it take for you to worship on Sunday? What does it take for you to give praise, to give thanks? Because this is your job description. Does it take a quiet moment of prayer before the service? There are some ladies actually that Right behind these doors, there's stairs in an office up there. There are some ladies who have been gathering every Sunday morning for prayer. I know they pray for me. I know they pray for the church. If, it, if that's what it takes for you, then come early. Go upstairs to that upper room and pray. And get your heart ready for a state of worship. That is a part of your job description. To thank God for who He is, for what He has done. This is a time where we do that most prominently. Fourth, what else? Uh, uh, actually, no, let me, let me hold there for one second. I want to say something else about worship. Singing is, uh, you know, it's not a show. Worship is to come from the heart. The last thing God wants is disingenuous praise. And so if you come to our scheduled meeting as a church, if you come and your heart is too burdened, or maybe too hardened by sin, it might be best for you to just sit there quietly and just to speak to the Lord in the privacy of your own heart. But, you know, better still, better still is the Christian who, when they are burdened or when they are hardened by sin, better is the person who can look beyond their present life circumstances and remind themselves based on God's Word, that He is still worthy to be praised. In spite of their life circumstances, He is still worthy to be praised because of who He is. You know, we might have... Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that we come sometimes on a Sunday and, and we're, we're frustrated with the Lord. We come and, and we've had a rough week. You know, kids have been acting up. We had a bad week at work. We had a fight with our spouse. Something's going wrong, and we're a little bitter, we're a little hardened, we're a little calloused. We might just think, I'm just going to sit here and refuse to engage. But the Scriptures would have you remember that worship is a discipline as well. It's not just a natural reaction of the heart, which comes when we're in right relationship with God. Worship is also a spiritual discipline. 
At times it takes effort. At times it takes resolve to say, despite this, yet still, I'm going to praise my Lord. In spite of this, yet still, because of who God is and what I know He has done in the past for me, I will still praise Him. You know, sometimes it's hard for a boss to encourage his workers. Um, uh, One of the things that I try to do, and I I think I'm a little weak in, is encouraging those who uh, work with me in the church. I'm not naturally someone who dishes out encouragement. My wife is. I'm not. Uh, I, I I have... for whatever reason, I, it's not my natural disposition to walk alongside, alongside someone and say, great job, good job, keep it up. I have to discipline myself to make an encouraging statement because it doesn't just come naturally to, to me. That's from maybe, uh, you know, in, in, from a boss to coworker relationship at times, it's sometimes unnatural for the boss to give off encouragement or sometimes it comes hard for him or her. On the flip side, think about it. We're not dealing with boss to coworker. We're dealing with coworker to boss. How much less do coworkers encourage their superiors? I can't recall a time um, when I was uh, working as a youth pastor, when I was working uh, in missions organizations. I, I can't recall times where I praised my boss or thanked him or her for, for the good work that they had done. Do you praise your boss? Do you encourage your boss? I hope so. The point is, it doesn't always come natural to us. It doesn't always come natural. Sometimes it takes a concerted effort to say, I need to be someone who's giving praise and thanks to those around me. So also it is with worship. It may not come natural for you to praise and worship and give thanks to God, especially it won't come natural when you've had a tough week. But worship is a spiritual discipline too. Paul still urges us in Ephesians 5.18 to give praise to God as an act of obedience. Worship isn't only on your terms. Instead, Paul says this in Ephesians 5. He says, be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. He's telling you to get into a spirit of worship. To engage with the Lord in such a way that you can fulfill obediently this command. He's telling you, you be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our participation in the worship of God is not to be suspended simply because we're having a bad day. Or because we don't like the style of music. To suspend worship because of life circumstances or because of stylistic issues. What a pathetic excuse. To do that is to make worship about you, not about the Lord. I can't stand country music. I cannot stand country music. But you know what? There are country singers out there who praise and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And I admire them. I'll listen to it. I'll smile. I'll grin and bear it sometimes. But I'll sing alongside with a country singer who wants to lift up praise to my God. Not for style. Not for life circumstances. We need to resolve in our heart. We will yet worship, if needed, as an act of obedience. That's your job description. 
The mature man or woman of God disciplines themselves to worship. Number four, what else do I come to give? What do I come to give? I come to give prayers and petitions to God, asking Him for help and guidance. I come to speak with Him in prayer. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to Me. Come to Me, all who, you who labor, are heavy laden. I will give you rest, Jesus says. Come to Me. I'll give you rest. Take My yoke. Learn from Me. I'm gentle, Jesus says, and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I will come and I will tell God of my needs. I will come and I will, I will give Him that due. Trusting Him for what I need. For my family. For my emotional needs. For my marriage. For my children. For my work. I will ask Him for, for help and guidance. Knowing that every good and perfect gift comes from God. That is your duty. To petition Him. He wants you to. James says elsewhere, hey, you know, many people, they don't receive because they don't ask. And when they ask, they ask amiss. They ask for things they don't need. In the New Testament, we are invited as a church to petition God, to seek Him in prayer. It's a part of our job. Fifth, what else do we give as we come on Sunday? What do we offer to the Lord? Fifthly, a financial offering is what we offer. A financial offering to the work of the Lord. This is a part of our job description. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, Paul writes this, But this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is a part of your responsibility as a part of the church of God. Why do we give? We give for three reasons. We give to support the poor and the needy. The church throughout the New Testament took up offerings, tithes and offerings, to support the poor, to support the needy. That's one of the reasons we give. Secondly, another reason we give is to support those who devote their vocation to God's work. To support missionaries like Craig. To support pastors. To support ministry leaders. To support those who devote their vocation or a portion, a great portion of their vocation to the work of the Lord. We give that those people might be might have supply. And thirdly, we give okay, we give to the poor and the needy. We give to support those who devote their vocation to God's work. And thirdly, we give to spread the gospel of Jesus both here and around the world. We give because we know that a portion of that dollar gets set aside for the work of children, for the work of youth, for the work of adults and of marriages and of men and of women and of families and of seniors. We know that a portion of our gift goes to purchase materials that will build people up in the faith. To make way for service projects whereby we supply those with resources that they may need. Thus giving us an inroad to share the Gospel. 
There are many reasons we give to the work of the Lord. And God asks us to be participants in that. It is a part of our job description. Right here now, at number five, begins a shift in the message. A shift in what my role is in the church. Up until this point, we've spoken primarily about how we give to and receive from the Lord. But from this point forward, we shift our focus a little bit wider to the community that meets with us on Sunday. The church is not merely a place where I connect with God, but also where we connect with each other. And the Bible has a lot to say about what we are to give and receive from one another. First, what are we to give one another? Number six, we are to give one another deference and sacrificial love to my brothers and sisters in the Lord. On Sunday, I come to give deference. Honor. Respect. I come to hold in high esteem those around me. And I come to give sacrificial love to these my brothers and sisters in Christ. We read in Ephesians chapter 5. We read it already. But this time I want to read a verse that follows it. In Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 18 again, Paul writes, Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21. This is how it ends. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. I was asked this question uh, in my ordination training uh, by Dr. John Nimala. He turned to Ephesians 5.21 and he said, uh, explain this to me, Neil. Explain submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. And uh, I, I opened the portion of Scripture and I took a look at it. And then I read afterwards, of course, in context where it goes on to speak of, of wives submitting to their husbands, uh, of children uh, submitting to their parents, of husbands loving their wives. And I, uh, I went on to answer uh, that the, the submission there, the submission in view in verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord, is to be understood by the verses that follow it. That uh, that submission is to only take place within certain contexts. He said, no. That's not correct. It was the one thing that, uh, maybe not the one thing, <laughs> one of many, uh, that uh, in my ordination training, I changed my viewpoint on as a result of additional study. Paul doesn't qualify it here. He goes on to speak of submission, no doubt. But in verse 21, Paul gives no qualification to what he's saying. Instead, he is quite clear. Submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. Wives to husbands. Husbands to wives. Men to women. Women to men. Old to young. Young to old. Submit to one another. Show deference to one another. Show honor to one another. Esteem one another. Lift each other up. Of course, there are also natural admonitions later on, particularly in the marital relationship, particularly in the, in the child-to-parent relationship. But in verse 21, Paul makes it all-inclusive. He says, everyone... 
to a man and to a woman, every one of you, show deference, show honor, show esteem to one another with sacrificial love. When we come together as a church, we come to submit to one another. To mutually edify one another. Paul puts no limits on this. Of course, he asks us to show deference to the elders. They've been appointed over us. We, we, we are, are meant to, to learn from them. Of course. But it's not merely that. He says submit to one another. Serve one another. Elevate one another. In the spirit of Philippians 2, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. That means an elder, when he looks upon a young teenager, is to show that teenager deference and honor and respect. Let each of you look not only out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. There's no limit to the amount of mutual respect we are to have for one another in the church. In churches that uh, segregate and separate based strictly on, on gender or on age. You know, I've been in churches where the children are really frowned upon. I've been in churches where children are uh, really second, third class citizens. I've been in churches where um, pastors have said that you know, children can't possibly have a relationship with God. They're too young and foolish to know the Lord. Paul's teaching in Ephesians 5.21 and Philippians 2 would smack that straight in the face. Say, oh no. From children, from young to old, from male to female, and everything in between, show deference, show respect, show honor, sacrificial love. There's a mutuality too, friends, in the church. Some things were called to strictly receive. Some things were called to strictly give. And then there's a mutuality of giving and receiving. We've really touched upon it in point six. Now we come to the last four points of both giving and receiving. On Sunday, I come to both give and receive. Number seven, Christian fellowship, camaraderie, and love. We're going to go through these last four quickly. We come to receive Christian fellowship, camaraderie, and love. In the book of Acts, you see the term of one accord over and over again. Philippians 2, Paul's prayer, fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Psalm 133, behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. We come to give. We come to receive fellowship, camaraderie, and love. Eight, we come to give and receive edification by the exercising of spiritual gifts. We come to give and receive edification by the exercising of spiritual gifts. Once again, the, the, the passages relating to the gifts are listed there on your outline. If you don't know it, come talk with me. Speak to an elder. Ask a fellow Christian, what do you think my gifts are? We need everyone in the body to exercise their spiritual gift. Everyone has a part to play. There are those who equip. There are those who serve. There are those who exhibit wisdom and leadership. There are those who show mercy and encourage others. My gifts are different than your gifts. Our gifts are unique. My wife's gifts 
in my family are uh, greatly to be desired. Gifts of mercy, gifts of faith. Uh, she's the one that, that, uh, that prays for things I would never pray for. And uh, shows mercy when I would often wish to rather show justice in raising our children. As we exercise our gifts, beautiful acts of ministry take place because each working part balances itself out and the body works properly. Too much leadership is a problem. Too much mercy is also a problem. Too much wisdom, and we just sit there in in theory talking about things, but we also need servants and helpers in the church, each one to do their part. What else do we give and receive? We come to give and receive intercessory prayer, number nine, and physical help for our mutual needs. We come on Sunday to give and receive intercessory prayer and physical help for our mutual needs. By intercessory, we mean we go out and we pray for another. We intercede on behalf of another. Paul had something to say about that in Romans 12. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. There's that deference again. Not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer and distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. When someone has a need, we go and we pray for them. When someone has a need, we go and we say, can I meet that need? James speaks of the the Christian who hears their brother's need, who hears their physical need and says, goodbye, be warm, be well fed. James says, how can the love of God be in that man? How can the love of God be in that woman? We come to give and receive prayer and physical help. And ten, we come to give and receive encouragement, support, counsel, and admonishment. Encouragement, support, counsel, and admonishment. I love Hebrews 12. Not sure I've ever spoken on this this portion of Scripture. One of my favorites. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. Strengthen those hands which hang down. And the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Pursue peace with all people. Holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. This is a moment where the author of Hebrews is saying, watch out for one another. Where you see feeble knees, strengthen them. Where you see feet going astray, make right their path. Do not let a root of bitterness rise up in the church. Speaking primarily of those around you, not just of your own. Watch out for one another. Look out for one another. You know, in uh, anybody like card games? Raise your hand if you like card games. All right, poker, blackjack. I'm sorry, crazy eights. Um, go fish. What? Huh? Uno? Oh, who plays Uno? Oh, all of you. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Cards, right? We all play cards. We like different card games. What's the one common thing about a card game, though? You hold those cards close, don't you? 
You don't let your opponent see your cards. It's rare. They're, they're out there. Some of them are out there. It is rare, though, to find a card game where you lay it all out on the table. Here's my cards. That's rare. Instead, every time we play cards, we keep our cards close. We hide them from our competitors. Not so in Christianity. In the church, we lay our cards on the table. In church, we lay our lives on the table. We realize that I must share my life with my brothers and sisters. And they must share their life with me. I must let others minister to me. And I to them. I must come for empathy, encouragement, love. And they to me for those things. And when needed, I need to come here for admonishment and counsel. And others need to seek that of me. But again, this, all this, laying your cards out for all to see, this requires honesty. It requires transparency. It requires vulnerability that often does not occur in a church. I was uh, having a conversation with, uh, with one of you recently in which we were dialoguing about uh, how open people feel uh, how comfortable, maybe I should say, uh, people feel to share what they are struggling with. Um, it's my hope, and this person was expressing uh, to me, they were expressing concerns that, that, um, that, that we still don't have that openness where anyone can come to the pastor, to the elders, to a trusted friend in the church and share a great grievance, a great struggle. And this individual was concerned that that level of transparency and openness is still not yet here. To some degree, I, I would agree with that. In other ways, I wouldn't. I think that this church, uh, far more so than any I've ever been a part of, and I've heard many of you say the same, I think this church is a place where we recognize we're all sinners. We all have struggles. We all have elements in our family that is dysfunctional. Who here is perfect? Who here is without sin? No one. So speak openly. Speak honestly with one another. Why would I speak differently? God already knows my secrets. He knows I cannot hide from my sin. So why not entrust a brother or sister whom I can have confidence in in the church to, to pull them aside and say, hey, will you pray for me? I need help. Will you support me in this struggle? Will you encourage me as I go through this, this difficult time, this dark time? Isaiah 66.2, God says, On this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, he who trembles at my word. So there you have it. Your job description, friends. My job description. On Sunday, we come to give to God. We come to receive from God. We come to give to one another. We come to receive from one another. 
To sum, if I was to summarize it in a brand new way, I would summarize it in these three points. I come to know God and His people. I come to know Him and His people. Secondly, I come to be known by God and His people. That they might know me. That God might know me. That I might not hide anything from Him. Lastly, I come to let God and His people know that I love them. That I love You, Lord. That I love You, my brothers and sisters. We come to know God and His people. We come to be known by God and His people. We come to let God and our brothers and sisters know that we love them. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and all and so much more as you see the day, the day of Christ approaching. So the question remains, will you do your job here? Will you participate as God has asked? Or will you spectate? Will you engage God and His people? Or will you merely be a consumer who selfishly takes and takes and takes but never gives back? Before you put the outline away, the last thing I would ask you to do right now to just take two to three minutes quietly in your heart. I'll have the worship team come forward in just a moment. Take two or three minutes I want you to put a star next to two or three items out of these ten job description points. Put a star near two or three items that you feel that you are excelling at. You feel like the Lord has enabled you to carry out these aspects of your job description. Put a star right by two or three of those. And then I want you to circle two or three. I want you to circle two or three aspects of this job description, your job description, in which you feel that you're failing, in which you feel you need help, you need encouragement to to carry out this aspect of your duty, your job, your ministry in the body of Christ. Put a star by where you excel. Circle where you need help. We are all co-workers May we do our job. Take a moment. Star those you excel. Circle those where you need some help. I encourage you, uh, share what you've noted there with someone else. Maybe a spouse, maybe a friend. Share with them where you think you can improve in your job description. There are many things the Bible describes us as. Children of God, brothers and sisters. 
But He also describes you as a co-worker. And you and I will be evaluated before Christ one day. Our eternal life is going to be based on whether or not we believe. If we believe, we're going to be with the Lord in heaven. But we'll still stand before Jesus. And He's going to ask us, how'd you do, co-worker? How'd you do at fulfilling your job description? Each one of us work to fulfill our duties in the workplace, at home. We know what our job description is. Jesus is going to ask you, did you fulfill the job description I had for you? I hope we can all say yes.